Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is Garen and Jordan talking about Garen's sermon yesterday on March 19th. Uh, talking about Yahweh Sabaoth, the the Lord of Heaven's armies. That is the name of God that we came after and and just learned a lot about in Second Kings six. Um, but before we get into that, Garen, we've got to talk about the spiritual warfare that happened this weekend. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Yeah, there was some uh, dark forces <laughs> that prevailed on the basketball yeah. court. Hogs, I think, feral hogs or yeah. something. I'd heard feral hogs were a big nuisance in the South, yeah. but I didn't realize to yeah. the well, degree. Well, it's like when Jesus cast the spirits out of, uh, you know, out of the, the, out of the dude, they all ran into the hogs, right? That's exactly so that's right. Hogs and evil spirits like are closely yeah, connected. Very synonymous. Yeah. Many Bible scholars think that uh, hogs are, yeah, of the devil. Yeah. So Thankfully, we don't have a single fan of the hogs who, no. who might listen to this, who if goes to did, 12th, if we did. We would have to get yeah, some ritual cleansing yeah, going on. But, for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm glad there's nobody helping with the SU football team that maybe likes the hogs. So yeah, his name rhymes with Mace. Yeah, that'd be bad news. And then you know you gotta you gotta give it up for the Wildcats. They got it done. They did get it done. So I'm begrudgingly happy yeah. for them against the evil empire, Kentucky. So we're that does make it easier. Yeah, it does make it Kentucky, easier. Keep so. them keep them like 12 games behind KU and the all time win total. That's right. Yeah. So that that we thank them for that. Good job, K State. We are grateful for that. Yeah. That's so Adam, we give you a shout out, man. As you're on the road, congratulations. We are very excited for K State. If you can't tell in my voice how happy I am for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other the other kingdom of darkness uh, did not prevail. On Saturday. Oh yeah, yeah. I suffered the the loss, the worst loss ever to a number fifteen seed in the history of the NCAA tournament. I read so. Man, uh, I don't think the Hollenbecks listen to this, but if they <laughs> ever do, I hope this is the one they turn on, <laughs> so they hear us trashing. Brent Martin, maybe, maybe he listens. Yeah, maybe Brent does. Yeah, we'll have to. Maybe so. See, but all right. Enough about those spiritual forces. Yeah. On to the real ones. Okay. The real ones. Hey, I think it's so cool that you have really embraced. Uh, polytheism here, Garen, because I didn't know we had so many gods we worshiped, like <laughs> Yahweh Sidkanu, Yahweh Sabaoth, El Roi. Like, I didn't know we had so many gods. So that's really cool. Yeah. Because one wasn't enough. It was like, we needed, we need all these gods, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what to say to that. That was, that came out of left field. So no, we don't worship many gods. We worship one God with many names and many attributes. Yeah. Right? They revealed just different attributes of him. Right. Yeah. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you're new and you're like, why does this, what, who are all these new gods? No, it's one God. <laughs> yeah. Like all the different facets of the diamond, all the different yes. ways that we yep. see him, all the different characteristics that he has. Yeah. So That's really con- cool. If you're confused. I'm getting that, a lot out of it. I don't know anybody else is, but I am. 
if you turned off the podcast before we straightened out that we are not polytheists, then you might be pretty lost, but hopefully you've stuck with us and uh, we're good. Okay. Hey, let's jump into stuff that really matters. So Garen, you had a lot of good thoughts on Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of Heaven's armies yesterday, took us into 2 Kings 6, showed us a story that I have read, but did not give that much thought to. And it was so cool to revisit and just think, whoa, there's a lot more going on here than- Yeah, there is a lot going on in that story. Than I uh, had previously thought. So, um, especially the ending, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. The ending, Man, yeah. that is so cool. And there's a really good lesson in that. So that's cool. Um, Garen, let's see, you talked about- this name being the most used name of God, Yahweh Sabaoth in the Bible, that yeah. it doesn't even appear in the Bible until first Samuel yeah. and that it is used a lot in the prophets, which is when Israel was in exile. So everything in the Bible means something. What, what does that mean? Yeah, What's the I significance? Th- I think it is very significant. Uh, 270 times it's used. Yahweh Nisi once, like it's, it's total crazy. But to me, like God is revealing himself in this way when Israel's in exile They've been taken out of their country. And when they come back from exile, the, the post-exilic prophets are using it a lot. But when they get back, things still aren't right. Things still aren't good. They end up being under, they're still under Persia. They end up under Greece. They end up under Rome. And so it's like God, especially at a time when his people are down, he's like, I want to really reveal to you who I am. I am the sovereign Lord. It may not feel like it. And that th- this even brings us back when we come back around to this at the end, that I mean, even they were going through a lot of loss and stuff. And he's like, but I'm still the sovereign Lord. So just hang in there, stick with me. I'm going to be ultimately victorious at the end. So I think it is significant that it's the prophets that mainly use it. You uh, you took us to Revelation and this Greek translation of Yahweh Sabaoth, which is kunos pantokrator? Yeah, kurios. Oh, kur- which is Lord. Oh, uh-huh. kurios. Yeah, I can't read my writing. Yeah. Yeah, kurios pantokrator, yeah. right? which is Greek for the same thing, like the Lord of, of all. Of Lord of all. Yeah, the one who has dominion, power, might over uh, everything. And you pointed out that that is really significant, that it brings out this name that was used in the Old Testament and puts it at the end, almost as bookends, yes. like to say, hey, it's the same God. He is still the Lord over all. And he is victorious, ultimately, because that's what revelation is, right? The yeah. ultimate victory. He's victorious. And so we get to live from that victory, yeah. not for it. Can you talk about why that's a good thing? Yeah, because I think so much of the Christian, like I don't live for my righteousness. I live from my righteousness. I, so much of Christianity we've talked, you've talked is counterintuitive. It's the upside down kingdom. Religion's always about I do things for. Christianity is about I do things from. Everything is from. And so even the victory, it's it's something from God. One on the cross where he ultimately defeated Satan. And yeah, so I'm living from victory. I'm not living for it. Speaking of upside down kingdom, did you, we were at conference this week or last week. And, uh, did you hear John Mark Comer talk about the upside down kingdom? Yeah, I was like, Whoa, that's big. So we really were on something good. When he yeah. talks about it, you know, yeah. we were on something then you good. know. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right with everything. And then you kind of led into this point that faith is really about spiritual perception that the fact yes. that we have an awareness and have an eye for spiritual things. It's not like the extra, it's not the side dish. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. And it's really the key to digging into the spiritual life and and living well in it. Yeah. Um, What are the dangers of living a spiritual, not living a spiritual life, living a Christian life without a spiritual perspective? If you're just going through and you're following God and you're having quiet times and you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but to you, the world is really just what you see and you don't think about 
spiritual things. What's the danger? Yeah, there? to me, it's like you're you're playing basketball with a hand tied behind your back or a leg, you know, tied up to where you're just hopping around on one leg. You're you're only dealing with one part of reality, what's seen. And if you aren't dealing with the unseen reality, you're like you're missing so much. And maybe the the most important part, right? That the God is the one ultimately behind things and in control, and that there is our spiritual dark forces. And if I'm just living life just with what I see. I'm going to miss out on so much. I won't be as prayerfully dependent. I mean, just going through this story to me reminded me, I just have to be so more, much more dependent upon him, more prayerful because there's a lot more going on than just what I do and what I see. So yeah, to me, it's like playing basketball with a hand tied behind your back and you're only playing with one arm or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're really missing a big part of what it is. Yeah. But I think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, well, I don't want to be like one of those crazy spiritual Christians. Yes, right. Like, it's it that, kind of wild. Yes, that is the fear, right? So I'm going to be way over here yes. and stay really safe. Yes. And we don't realize that like you, A, miss out on so much, but B, like that's like you need some of that to follow Jesus. Well. Yes. It's not an add-on that you add later to your faith. Like the Holy Spirit is what drew you to the Father in the first place. He is the one that indwells you. And when we're not thinking about spiritual things, we're missing out on, on even basic truths like that. Yeah. And that's why Lewis said what he did. Like Satan wants me on one or two extremes. I'm either ignoring him or everything's about him and he's happy with either one. And most of us don't live on the everything's about him. Most of us live in this excluded middle to where it's just me and God. And I I just lose sight that there's a battle that's raging around me all the time. I mean, we did that with deacons in that book, Lead. Remember one chapter was about the spiritual leaders were in a spiritual battle. And he was trying to call us to remember that. Like we do need to remember that there's this kind of middle, so to speak, and we need to be aware of it. Can you talk about that excluded middle? Cause you mentioned it yesterday and I thought it was a really good point. And if anybody, if we want anybody to walk away with something from yesterday, yeah. I think that is one of the key that points. That is a so big one. Can you just talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. People on the mission field are dealing a lot with people who are enslaved to the powers of darkness. There's a lot of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of demon possession. They see the spirit world like all the time. I mean, Anna Black just talked about it. She was in Africa. There's witch doctors. She sees the spiritual power they're wielding through Satan. And so they see that world, but we live in the West where, you know, it's just, it's just me and God. And so we just live with this. That's why missionaries coined this, the excluded middle, that we live as if there's nothing else going on. And they're like, we see it all the time and we need to be aware of that. And yeah. It it really brings it home and makes it just all the more real and exciting when you read Bible stories about that, like Second Kings, right? Yeah. How it ends. Yeah. And they see the army yeah. surrounding them and then they're blinded and just the really great ending there where the prophet, you know, is asked, should we kill these guys? Like the king says, hey, we've got them right here. Should we kill our enemies? And the father's <laughs> like, no, we're actually going to do something really crazy because we were on the upside down kingdom and we're going to make them a really great feast. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. And this was something we wanted to talk about because we feel like you pointed out yesterday, the culture in our world, in our, in our society, even in church sometimes is like, if somebody doesn't agree with me or if there's an enemy, like I have to eliminate them or destroy them or have nothing to do with them. And this is such a different picture yeah. of how to encounter our enemies. So what would it look like if we were to adopt this a little more or to take, to take this, uh, to take this perspective on it? Like, I'm not going to try and destroy my enemy. I'm actually going to bless them. Yes. 
And I'm going to love them and bless them. I mean, can you imagine how much of an even greater impact we would have? Yes. If we would just follow the way of Jesus, because this is the way of Jesus, to love your enemy, to bless them, to pray for them, right? So that's why I love about Elisha. He was like living the way of Jesus before Jesus was even around. Yeah, you said it was your seventh tool was, uh, was that we trust in God, we're grounded in truth, we're rooted in prayer, and we have agape love for all. So what if that was the marker of our lives? Like what if we weren't known by how we... Yeah, humility, yeah. dependence on him, being in the word, being in prayer, loving all. Yeah, if we were known by those things, yeah, can you imagine? That would be incredible. Yeah. Maybe 12 can be a place where our people are known by those things. That would be a real dream. That'd be awesome. Yeah. If like people were walking around town and they saw somebody and they did something like good and they're like, oh, you must go to that church. Like yeah. you act that way. Yeah, right. Well, that's that place that lives in humility and trust and dependent on God. And they love everybody. It doesn't like matter you, where you stand on the political spectrum. They love you and yeah. they, they bless you. Like you follow the real Jesus. You don't get caught up in yeah. like temporal things and yeah. we got about everything. And yeah. Yeah, man. That's the, that's the dream that we would just follow the way of Jesus and, and be what he was to our community. Yeah. So, and we're getting there. Yeah, I think so. I think in my heart, I'm getting there slowly, little by little. And I see good things happening yeah. at 12. So yeah. it's not a bleak picture. No, not it's at all. really good. Not at all. Um, let's see here. You said that there was something here at the end that we should, well, did you want me to read that other thing? Yeah. I want you to read, you, you put those seven points together into a sentence and I think it's really powerful. So, so yeah, Garen gave us seven points and I just kind of like, I don't know, I made it into like a sentence. So I just said, this was kind of like the boiled down. If you didn't hear yesterday, I guess this is kind of like the thesis of what we're talking about. So that there is a battle raging between powerful forces, but we are not afraid because we serve Yahweh Sabaoth, who has the superior force and it is his battle to fight, not ours. And our only weapons are actually to trust in him, to be grounded in truth and to be rooted in prayer and to have agape love for all. Yeah. So I feel like that was kind of the heart of what that we were is to get at. Good. That's really cool how you put all that to one sentence. Well, I just wrote down what you said. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not too special. <laughs> could you like, do that every week? Yeah. It could be a five minute sermon. I could just get up. You, you, I give it to you. You write a sentence. I'll get up and give the sentence. But I, all right, we're done. You're sent. I think uh, attendance would not grow if we did that, but we could sure try it. The one sentence sermon. The one sentence. Actually, some people would probably love that. Yeah, probably would. Man, get the best seat at El Lorito. Yeah. They're out of here quick. Yeah, El Lorito, football season. You're getting out quick. You're seeing the beginning of the Chiefs game. The, like The response song after the message would be longer than the message. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That's funny. Um, okay, just to wrap up, you know, there were some kind of takeaways and a few that I put down and maybe we could talk about these or if you had others. One was that we are not to be about triumphantism. Yeah, triumphalism. Or triumphalism. There's such a danger, I think, yeah, in Western spirituality right triumphant now. Triumphant is like when you're... Yeah, triumphants. I mean, like happy, right? Yeah. Or, uh -huh. So triumphal is different. Triumphal, like this. So we should be happy. We should not be triumphal. Yeah. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, the whole triumph that I take this like, oh, God's on my side. So therefore, every single skirmish, I'm going to win because no weapon formed against me is going to stand. And so I'll never lose a skirmish. And mm -hmm. that is not what scripture teaches. And that's why, to me, those, as I was just thinking about all this and I was thinking of angel stories, those two missionary stories. If in one of them, the angels, God sends the angels to save the missionaries from getting killed and that one, that tribe, and the other one, he doesn't send the angels till after they're killed. And that's what won that tribe. 
And I'm like, he really is the sovereign Lord. And so I just can't, you know, Jim, Jim Elliott could have said, no, wait, wait, stop. No weapon formed against us can stand. Those spears aren't going to go through us, right? But that wasn't the reality because God is the sovereign Lord. He's got the big picture. And so it's just, I hear so much triumphalism in Christianity. I don't, not so much in our church, but you hear those phrases, you know, oh, just believe or have enough faith or some of those battle scriptures that are thrown out that make you feel like I should win all the time. And when we don't, you and I were talking ahead of time, I tend to doubt one of two things. Either I doubt myself like, oh, I must not be very spiritual or I don't have enough faith because I lost that skirmish. So something's wrong with me. Or we think God really isn't powerful or he's really not good. This is all a lie. This Sabio stuff, that's not true. And we doubt him. And I would say we've got the wrong narrative. It's all about spiritual perception. If we have the right narrative that his victory will ultimately come right now, we're in the already and the not yet. It's what Sunday is going to kind of be about. There's still a struggle going on. I'm not always going to win the struggle. I think if we have a more realistic picture of the battle, then we won't be so triumphalistic. So I'm just, I was trying to keep people from that who I think struggle with, they hear those things and then they're like, man, something's wrong with me because I'm not winning every battle. Mm, yeah. And you said the reason we can't be that way is because God said those things to Israel at a very specific time. Yes. Under a very specific covenant. Yes. One that does not apply to us yes. right now. Yep. And so to take his words back then and apply them to us, it's like, that was not for you. You can read about it, and there are some larger truths to take there away from it. There are some larger it, truths in but it. But specifically to quote that and say, because of this, I will not be defeated. Like, that's not what God has promised yeah. you. And so... Uh, yeah, in fact, the night that Jesus establishes the new covenant, um, the night that he's arrested, he talked a lot about persecution was coming. And you're going to stand before kings, and you're going to go through a really hard time. So... Yeah, this covenant is a little bit different. Again, God is king and he is sovereign and he is Yahweh Tzaboth and he can send, there is a spiritual battle and he can send angel armies and probably does a lot that I don't even know. But it doesn't mean that every weapon that's formed against me will not stand because like I said yesterday, you can't tell the persecuted church that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fly over there very well. Sure, It only flies where we get to sit on the couch and watch NCAA basketball games with popcorn and yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And the weapon will not prevail against you physically, but there is nothing that can separate you eternally. But there is nothing. Yeah, that's why even that Romans 8 stuff, actually Romans 8 is really about new creation and ultimately. So Paul's actually speaking ultimately. I mean, there's truth that there's, you know, I am more than a conqueror, but that more than a conqueror is in the end game. In the whole picture, I'm more than a conqueror. Zoomed out. Yeah, zoomed out. It doesn't mean in every skirmish, because Satan, man, he's furious and he's... And he, he's powerful, right? And yep. So that's why I was just trying to keep us from that triumphalism. I thought yep. if I had stopped and not said anything about that, then we would have all, you know, I think been, so I thought it was really important to talk about that. Yep. I think so too. Also that we should remember that our faith is not about God saving us or serving us, yes. right? That it is not about using Old Testament verses written to Israel out of context, which we just kind of talked about. And it's not about equating God's goodness to us with, our victory. Yeah. That like, oh, if God saves me, he saves me, he's good. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then he's bad. Yeah. Then we got to get yeah. out of that mindset. Right. Yes. Yep. Because he's a sovereign Lord and he knows what, you know, he knows other things will happen. Well, when we talk about Yahweh, Yafra, Rafa, that God's my healer, the same thing applies, but I still, Tim, I probably said this several times, Tim Wright used to always say, if more people will come to faith through my death now 
then if I lived another 30 more years, I'll take my death now. He, I think Tim had the right perspective on all this. Well, and think about those missionaries who, the Jim Elliott group who were killed. And if they could zoom out and see what would happen subsequently after their death, right? Yeah. Yes. Like they would say it was worth it. Yes. They would say, don't change a thing. We don't, you know, don't change a thing. Because if that's how those people are going to get saved, then God knew best and we're okay with it. Yep. So um, just because something bad happens and you're tempted to say, God, you're not for me. Well, it's okay to hurt and okay to feel that way. But at the same time, recognize that he is Lord overall. He sees the bigger picture and something good will come of this because at his core, he is a redeemer. He will redeem broken situations. I talked to my friend, Scott Yeoman, quite a lot about this sermon. And we talked about Jim Elliott and those guys. And he said, when that happened, um, he said a lot of people like felt it was a huge setback when that first news came out. And he says, now looking back on the past, so many people have been called into missions because of that. Like the, the impact has been so huge. Yeah. And right at the time it may not, it might've looked like a defeat, but God took that defeat, right? Defeat in quotation marks. And he totally changed it, put, you know, on, turned it on Satan's head and used it against him. Yeah. So we've got to trust God's sovereign power. And all of this. Poor Satan, man. He probably feels like he has so many small victories and then God just flips <laughs> yeah, it around. Yeah, and then God is like, ah. Yeah. Yes. Man, God, you saw the bigger picture. Yeah, he steals away from him. That's right. So we're on the winning side. Yep. That's what matters. That's what matters. Um, so those are the things we should not do, but we should know that God is overall. He is Yahweh Sabaoth, Lord of heaven's armies, Lord of everything, and um, that he will do what's necessary to save the lost, right? Yes. So if it is saving you, and if it is um, protecting you and providing for you, then he will do that. But in the Jim Elliott case, if it's that you would lose your life for Jesus, which he calls us to do, yes. and that's what's going to lead others to faith, then yep. that may be in the cards. Yep. And it's okay because our life is ultimately not about this temporal life. Right. It's about eternity with him. Yes. And so don't live recklessly. Right. right? Don't put not, yourself yeah, in those don't, situations. Don't go out. Right. Don't go out. and Don't poke the bear and go out and try and die. But at the end of the day, do you trust God with your, with your life and with your soul, that he is going to steward it well. Yep. And that his, the ultimate victory. And we're going to, he's going to share that with us. Exactly. At that time. At that time. Yep. Okay. Very good. All right. Are you going to give us a sneak peek at next week? Uh, yeah. So that already not yet concept is going to come up in a couple of other of his names. And I'm going to delve even more into that, into yeah, we're just, I'll kind of leave it at that. We're just going to talk about the struggle, the spiritual struggle um, that we all face. and Of the already, but not yet? Yeah, the already, but not yet. The eschatological tension that Jesus has come and ushered in a new kingdom, but that it, it is not here in its fullness it, yet. Not in its fullness yet. so we're yet. Exteri- still experiencing brokenness yes. and hurt and pain and loss. Yep. But we still can cling to this kingdom that is here. Yes. So what does that tension look like? Yep. That's a really important concept. I've been wanting to bring that in for a long time. Yesterday was perfect. We're going to hit it a few more times with his name. So if we can even get our people thinking that way of like that already, but not yet, I think it would, okay. it, it, it's helpful for me. It helps me to not get too serious about like too triumphalistic. That's, that would be the thing with my faith. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Before we go, uh, K-State predictions, are they going to, are they going to win another one? I think they get tennis. Yeah, they're going to end up. They don't have Tennessee. Not Tennessee yet, have? but they're going to, if they win, they'll have Tennessee in the Elite Eight. Tennessee's a pretty tough team. They so took it to Duke. Who they got next? They've got, uh, it's it's a smaller team. Like their brackets opened up for them. 
So they could Duke do it. Duke got beat. So that it's opened up. But that Tennessee, I saw that Tennessee Duke game. Tennessee manhandles people. So I don't know, but the SEC is weak. I'm hoping they, I'd love to see. Yeah, it'd be fun to see K-State get to the, uh, to get to the final four. That'd be fun. Pull it up real quick. Let's see who K-State has. We can edit this out K-State, if it takes then, too long. Uh, but I want to know who they've K-State. got. Like a K-State Texas game or something for the championship. Oh man, that would be crazy. If it was two big 12 teams in the national championship and we weren't one of them, that'd be pretty wild. Are they in the what? Southeast, West? I'm not sure where K-State is. Uh, I can tell you where, where KU is. I don't know where. KU's on the couch. That's where KU is. Oh, they're is. in the East. Oh, they've got Michigan State. Whoa, oh, that's yeah. a tough game. Uh, I hope there aren't any Michigan State fans out there. I do not like Michigan State, so I'm really rooting <laughs> for KU. Yeah, so they'd have to go through them and then Tennessee, most likely. That's tough. So you're, you're pulling for the Wildcats. Pulling for the Wildcats on both, because I don't care. Yeah, Rick Barnes used to be the Texas coach. So sorry, Carl. But uh, yeah, if we can take out Izzo and Rick Barnes, that would be great. Oh, man. Do you hear that? I said we, like... Oh no, Garen. Remember when I showed that slide of you in the K-State hoodie? I think oh, it's becoming real. It's, it's happening. Oh no. All right. Pray for Garen as he tries to fight off the temptation to become a K-State fan. And that was a joke. But on a on a real note, we should pray for eyes to see spiritual things this week. Eyes to live in that spiritual reality that there is a battle, but it is not ours. And we serve the God who sees it all and controls it all. And uh, our weapons are trusting in him, being rooted in his truth and loving others with agape love, yep. right? Yep. So let's, let's fight our battle that way this week. See you guys. All right, see you.